Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Father, we're just so thankful to gather in your house together. We're thankful to gather together. Lord, and we just, we declare this, that this building is not the church. We are the church. The house of God is us. We are the house of God. And Lord, I thank you that the Holy Ghost is, is not in this building. I want to tell you guys something. The Holy Ghost doesn't haunt this church. He lives on the inside of me and you. And there's a greater presence when we gather together. There's a greater presence. Because the same way that the Bible says in the New Testament that we are the temple individually as the, of the Holy Ghost, it also says that we are blocks that have been put together. Where together we are also a greater temple. So it's like we individually are the temple, but then together we're the temple. So that's why any Christian, any leader, any little narrative that says, hey, we don't need to gather. We can just do church online. I want to tell you right now, you're stripping so much power and anointing and presence away from what God needs to do and wants to do in the body of Christ, because that's simply not true. He didn't instruct us to gather together in the New Testament in Hebrews. Uh, Is it Hebrews 1038? Yes. Do not forsake assembling together as some people do, but we should be doing it more so now as the hour of his return draws near. Why would God say that? Because there's something powerful that happens when the church gathers. You know, it says in the book of Acts, this wasn't in the day of Pentecost. This was after Pentecost. But Peter and John had been persecuted and they, and, and they got freed from prison and they came to the gathering of the church. And it says that they were gad, gathered together and they began to pray. And it says that the Spirit of God came into that place and the house that they were in began to shake. Guys, can I tell you, when the church gathers together, things begin to shake in the Spirit. This isn't a message that you're just listening to. This is actually kingdom business that we're tending to right now. We go to work every day. We got a job we got to do every day in the natural. And when we come together and we put our faith together and we begin to decree the word of the Lord, there are things that are shaking in the spiritual realm. In this city, in this county. I want to tell you right now, and I'm not glorifying the devil, but there is a demonic principality over this, this area, this region. And I don't say that in a place of defeat. I say that in a place of victory that I know every time we come together in the spirit, we're breaking through. Yeah. We're breaking through. Because yeah. I want to tell you something. Revival is a part of Angelina County's destiny. It is a part of Angelina County's destiny. The Lord told me that there's a move of God that's going to happen. I don't know a time frame in the next few years, but there's going to be a, a significant revival that sweeps through the state of Texas. 
And the Lord told me from the top of the panhandle down to Corpus Christi, from El Paso to Houston and Beaumont, Texas, and from and Austin and Dallas and San Antonio and Lubbock and Amarillo, Texas, it's, the revival is going to sweep through the state. And the Lord said that in the future, they'll look back in the history books and it will be called the Texas Revival. Very simple. And I want to tell you something I'm telling you right now. I don't just say that because we're here. I say it because the Lord showed me. Angelina is a significant part of the move of God. That's going to happen here. Hallelujah. I had a vision one time when I first started pastoring this church. Uh, I was in prayer and I, I wasn't even asking the Lord for it, but he just showed me. And I saw the city of Huntington, Texas, and it was in a globe. It was like a snow globe. You ever see like a little snow globe that has the scene and there's a glass dome? I saw that. I saw the city and there was a big glass dome over it. And, and I saw it was like a hand was knocking on the, on the globe. It, it, it couldn't come into the city because there was this glass dome. And the Lord told me that's the principality and nothing can break through. And so I asked, the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. Because I want to tell you, Jesus, you know, if we need wisdom in, in James chapter 1, it says we can ask and he'll give it to us. Yeah. So sometimes when you know you need to pray about something, but you don't know how to pray about it, ask the Holy Ghost and he'll tell you how to pray yeah. about Amen. it. Because you got to realize that God moves through the delegated authority that he's given us on this earth. There's things that God wants to do, but it can't be done until it comes out of the mouth of one of his servants. I'm telling you, there's things in heaven God wants to do, but it can't be done until somebody, a man or a woman, stands up and takes the mantle and begins to speak and release the things of the Lord. And so the Lord told me, he said, I want you to pray for me to make an opening because I just saw all this stuff coming and it would hit this glass dome and it would just bounce away. And I said, Lord, nothing can get through. He said, pray for me to, to open. Pray for me to open the dome. Yeah. And I prayed. And I saw at the very top, a little hole was cut. And then a flask of oil was poured over. And oil was poured into this hole. And it began to run down the sides of the dome all into the city. And, and this is before... You know, when I first, this was the first week that we stepped in here and right underneath that hole where the oil, oil was being poured out, I saw this church building sitting right underneath that opening. Yeah. And so I don't say that arrogantly. I don't say that, like, Lord, we have something nobody else has. I don't say that at all. I just know that the Lord has given us something that we have to carry. Yeah. We, ha we don't have a choice. Yeah. And God's wisdom he chooses people to do certain things. And he's chosen this house. He's chosen us to carry something. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So, praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, we just want you to do what you want to do this morning. Yes. My preparations, Lord, they don't mean anything. My sermon notes, they don't mean anything, Lord. 
Holy Ghost, you speak through us. Speak to us. Say what you want to say to us today. Lord, we need you. We need you. We're hungry. We're desperate. We're thirsty for you. We need you in this place. We need you in this time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel his presence so strong. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalms 2, verse 4, but the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. <laughs> oh, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Sing that, brother. We sing hallelujah. 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 The one who sits in heaven laughs. And once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace and serve God. Yet once more, this indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken hmm. as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> For our God is a consuming fire. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The Lord led me to this scripture uh, one year ago. In November, I was praying this and the Lord gave me this word. I'm not going to get into all of the word, but he gave me a word. He said, we're going to enter into what's going to be known as the era of the kingdom. And, you know, I thought that was strange. I thought that was weird. I never had really heard that. But the Lord said an era is a time period. It's a period of time that's defined by certain characteristics. And so what he said is the time that we're coming into, you're going to see the expression of the earth is the kingdom. So he began to take me, and I'll challenge you, I'm not going to do all of this, but read all of the parables where Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is light through the Gospels. And the Lord said that you're going to begin to see those things happen upon the earth. For instance, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Though it be the smallest of all garden plants, it grows to become the largest in the garden. And the Lord told me, in this time, you're going to see the smallest things becoming the largest things. And you're going to see the largest things becoming the smallest things. What does that tell you? In this time, you're going to see promotion. In this time, we're going to see promotion, the Lord said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the kingdom is like a little bit of yeast that was mixed into the entire into the batch. And as it began to get worked around, it spread until it consumed the entire batch of dough. (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus said that the church was the salt of the earth. I'm telling you right now that the church, we're coming into a time, will be known in history, where the church infiltrated every sector of life like it's never done before. Not just in this building, I'm talking about Holy Ghost CEOs, business owners, politicians. You're going to see the kingdom spread until it permeates and saturates the entire batch of dough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back and read the kingdom of heaven as life. And I'm telling you, make notes. That's the season we're stepping into on the earth. And the Lord told me what must happen first. I said that to say he brought me to Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents beat, I'm sorry, and the torrents and floodwaters rise. And the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it's on the bedrock. I want to tell you something that happened extremely prophetic a year ago. We had a prophet, Kenneth Copeland. Brother Copeland stood up. If you don't, you know, I'm not here to debate whether you love Kenneth Copeland or not. His ministry, I'm here to tell you, he is a prophet of the Lord that's been appointed over the United States of America. And he publicly executed judgment. He said COVID-19, he spoke to it, and he, he blew. He just, and he said, I release the wind of God right now. And he said in the spirit, he saw the Lord just pulling that off of our nation. And I want to tell you that happened. It really did happen. If you look at the United States of America compared to Canada, compared to Europe, compared to Australia, guys, we, we yeah, there's a lot of things that need to change, but praise God, yeah. right? Praise God. 
that we've seen that hand retract and we've seen things open up and we've seen some freedoms restored in our country. There's many nations right now that do not have that privilege. But I want to tell you, it's not because the Lord won't give it to them. It's because the church is asleep in those places. You know, there's prophets. There's mega ministries in Australia. I don't need to drop any names. That this is the hour that if they would rise up and say this crap happening in Australia ends right now in Jesus name and make it stand, the whole thing would open up, but they won't do it. Why? Because at some point we begin to build things on the sand and not on the rock. So when Kenneth, when Kenneth Copeland released that wind, the Holy Ghost brought me back to that. And he said that I'm releasing right now from this day, you're going to see it take place. I'm releasing a wind upon the earth. You know, the wind of God it, it, it represents the Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and filled the room and they heard a sound like a mighty rushing wind. So it was symbolic of the Spirit of God coming, blowing, moving, pushing. And, and, and this is what the Lord brought me to. Anyone, listen to this, who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Jesus' teaching was the Word of God. The words that we have in red is our Bible. Right? So think about that. Anybody, just put it in this perspective, who listens to my teaching or anyone who listens to the word of God and follows it is like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Building your life on solid rock means building your life on the word of God. Okay. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and look at this and the wind beats against that house it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on the sand when the rain comes and the floods come in the wind say the wind wind. beat against that house it will collapse with a mighty crash the lord told me in that moment i'm releasing the spirit of god the wind of god And it's going to begin to shake everything that can be shaken. And the only things that shall remain standing when it's over are those which were built on the bedrock of the Word of God. Institutions are going to begin to fall that aren't built on the Word of God. Even religious institutions, guys, that use the name of Jesus, but don't know Jesus at all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a separation that's taking place. The chaff from the wheat. Yes. Yes. And the Lord told me, told me when things begin to shake and that which can be shaken is shaken and the winds blow. He said that, that which remains will enter into a time of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. We receive your word in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. What's the warning from the Lord? The warning is right now, as we said in worship, you've got to pick a side. You better make sure your life is built on the word of God. 
You know, even in this church, we've determined and we've decided. I may end up getting into some of my message today. It is Reformation Day. That's what we're preaching about. But we've decided we're not going to build a church based off of a show, a performance, the lights and the stage. I actually told our, our sound guys, and our light guys, I said, turn the lights on, right? We're children of light. We're not children of dark. We don't need it to look like a nightclub in here to worship the Lord. All the stuff we depend on, the church has never had for thousands of years. Praise God for technology. We're live streaming right now. Praise the Lord. But I want to tell you right now, we don't build our ministry off of those things. We have to build it off the word of God. And we must do that in our lives in every aspect. I'm telling you, if you're in business right now, build your business on the word of God. Build a kingdom business. Get kingdom vision behind what you're doing. And if you do that, the Lord said you will be unshakable. That's right. Listen to me. You'll be unshakable. Hallelujah. You know, I want to make this note. Today, today is not Halloween. That's what people call it. Today is Reformation Day. Yeah. If you've never heard that, the Lord, the Lord really convicted me. Uh, not really convicted. That's not the right word. Enlightened me. One of the most significant events for the church that have taken place since Pentecost in Acts 2 happened on October 31st. And most Christians go their whole life and don't know a single thing about it. You know, on October 31st, 1517, what was known as the Protestant Reformation was born, was birthed. A man named Martin Luther went and nailed the 95 Thesis on the front of the Catholic door, challenging the authority of the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope. And all these events began to transpire. I just want to release this word of the Lord right now. You know that Martin Luther actually started the Protestant Reformation by accident. So we love, I mean, I love the story and there's so many things we take away from it, but we, we make it like, you know, he was doing this huge, bold uh, spit in the face and, and, and this bold stand, which he ended up becoming the man that did do that. But at first, the whole thing was completely accident. There's a point to this. Back in those days, whenever they wanted to debate somebody publicly, that's what they do. The, the local professors would go and nail a thesis, basically different points, saying this is what I believe or these are the points that I want to make. And if anybody wants to argue, me, argue or debate me, you can come and we'll have a public debate. So Martin Luther went and he nailed those, those points on the, on the Catholic door. And I'll, let me say this as well. Why did he do it on October 31st? It had nothing to do with Halloween. He did it on October 31st, 1517, because the next day was All Saints Day, November 1st. So basically, that was the day that they celebrated where they would all come to church and celebrate the saints that had been martyred and died in the past. So think of the boldness. 
that this man did have, where he knew, I'm going to put it on the door the day that everyone's going to come and look and see it. Guys, I'm telling you right now, the, the title of this message that I'm probably not going to get to really preach because the Holy Ghost did some other things and praise God that he did. But the title of this message was Spirit of Reformation. There's so many Christians that are afraid to say anything these days to anybody. Think about Martin Luther. He nailed the 95 thesis on the day before everybody in the town was going to gather and read it. We need that same spirit in the church in this hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is what I want to get to. Is what ended up taking place was he put it on the door and yeah, he made a bold stand and these, these very confronting the system of his day. That's what we need as well. Hallelujah. Guys, I'm telling you how many pastors, it's so hypocritical and I say this by the Spirit of God. How many pastors... Sit here and say, we just need to comply, 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 comply. Why would you shut your church down? Well, because they, they told us that we had to. You know, we have to obey authority, comply. Why you sit in a luxury building that you have the luxury of having because a man 500 years ago decided to stand and not comply and actually push the mark and confront the devil principality of his day. And we're going to stand here in our time and have these luxuries and these benefits. Because I want to say this as well. It doesn't matter if you're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, non-denominational, Pentecostal, Charismatic. It doesn't matter. If you are a section of Christianity that is not Roman Catholic, you are a part. Or you came from the Protestant Reformation. So don't sit here and say comply. When we build these nice big organizations that have all this money funneling into it, telling people to comply because you're bowing to a spirit that's of this world. When your ministry was built on the back of martyrs and men and women who were not afraid to confront the devil of their time. Are y'all with me? There is actually a fight that we have to fight in this generation. The Lord is raising up an army in this time that's not going to just comply and roll over, but is going to take the position that Peter took when they brought him before the council in the book of Acts and says, do not preach in the name of this man, Jesus, again. And he says, who must we obey, God or man? We must obey God over man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all, and I'm telling you, you guys think, well, we're still talking about this. This is just the beginning. If you think that this ends in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. And okay, if you guys still think that this is actually about a virus, you're crazy. You're absolutely 100 percent crazy. And I want to tell you, you need to go home and smash your TV and begin to evaluate the voices that you're listening to. It's not. It's about control. It's about silencing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to rally together. 
I'm telling you right now, guys, as a Christian, listen to me, take it or leave it. But God, honest truth, there's ministries that I have made an effort to go so into and to be a part of that. I may not agree with everything that they said, but they stood. And I think that standing deserves to be rewarded and standing deserves to be. People need to come behind these people that are doing that and that have done it. Because now there's people that are joining the fight. Praise God that they are. But they're coming in like now that, that somebody else took all the heat and say, oh, well, you know, now now they're going to start preaching strong about this. No. Who were you when it mattered? Yeah. What did you say whenever you thought that you may be getting prosecuted for having church on Sunday morning? Yeah. I want to tell you guys right now. I mean, even this church, we had a revival plan the first week. That they did the 15 days to slow the spread. We already had an evangelist set up, a revival plan. And, and we, we never shut down one time. Amen. Not one time have we not even had indoor services. I've seen so many people. How do you not care about your people? You know, do you not love your church? If you love your flock, how would you want to expose them to sickness and disease? And I said, yeah, gee, if only there was some all-powerful God that gave us some promises in some book or something that actually gave us immunity from those things. And if only somebody would actually believe the Bible that we claim to build our entire religion based off of. How do you know Jesus Christ is the Lord? Well, because the Bible tells me that he's the Lord. Really, the same Bible that tells you Jesus Christ is the Lord is the Bible that says no plague will come near your dwelling. And though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand die around you, these evils won't touch you. And that he was whipped so that we could be healed. Matthew 8, 17, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. The same Bible that tells you Jesus Christ is the Lord tells us that we have a divine covenant promise from the most high God. To live immune from these things on the earth. Well, I don't like that. Well, I'm sorry that you pick and choose what you like from the Bible. I don't do that. I don't give myself the luxury of doing that. That also comes from the story of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, you know, but so Martin Luther, this man, if you weren't here last week, I gave a, a, a thorough history lesson on this. Go back and watch the live stream. Because today the Holy Ghost is doing some different things. I'm not going to spend time going over things I talked about last week. Uh, I gave you the total history of what happened. Go back. I mean, really, I love it. You, I think you'll enjoy it. Go back and listen to it. But uh, so Martin Luther makes this stand. He nails this 95 thesis for whosoever to see. But really, there was an innocence to it where he thought, well, you know, either somebody will rise up and challenge me or it'll just die out and, and then we'll go on our way. Well, guys, I want to tell you, something was stirring in the hearts of people in those days. Because you know what ended up taking place was a bunch of normal guys walked up to that door and read his 95 thesis and was like, oh, my gosh, everything that they had been feeling in their own spirits and hearts, they they. Finally, somebody will say what everybody's wanting to say, but is too afraid to say. Because yeah. I want to tell you, in Martin Luther's day, you didn't challenge the Catholic Church. You know what happened when you challenge the Catholic Church? They don't threaten to shut your water off or we're going to come with the police. They killed you. They would actually drag you out. There was a man a hundred years before Martin Luther... It was named, his name was, uh, let's see here. 
John Wycliffe, who, who was the first man who translated the Latin Bible into English. You know what they said? This guy's witchcraft. How dare you take the holy scriptures of the Lord and put it in that barbaric language? There was another man named John Huss who a hundred years after that, he got a hold of the word of God and began to preach it in his generation. They drug him out in the middle of the street and burned him alive at the stake. So Martin Luther, when he was doing this, it wasn't just like, well, you know, I might hurt somebody's feelings on Facebook if I say something. He was literally putting his entire life on jeopardy. If I cross the Catholic Church and I die, then I die. But you know what? If we're going to die, we're going to die free. Amen? Amen. I wish that spirit would get in this generation that... That some of you in here, you came from a different time. You understand something my generation doesn't understand. We're so, I, never, I don't get this. Why are Christians so afraid to die anyways? If you are afraid to die, you don't believe what you say you believe. Loving not your life even unto death, the Bible says. I believe the Lord will protect me just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said our God's able to deliver us from this fiery furnace, but even if He doesn't, we still won't bow. If I die, I'm going to die taking a stand, and I'm going to die preaching the gospel, and I'm going to die in right standing with God based off of His Word. I'm not going to compromise. If I die, I'm dying free. What's the point of living in captivity? What's the point of living if you must live in bondage? What's the point of living if you can't go anywhere without a mark that's given to you? Right? Revelation 13. It's crazy that the Antichrist will come and he'll require everyone to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And no one can buy, sell, or trade anything without the mark which represents his name or the number that represents the beast. That's in the Bible. And now all of a sudden we see pushes taking place in our generation. Where when that was preached 40 years ago, Americans didn't believe it. That's not, how could that ever happen? Not in America. But now we see things being pushed where, hey, you can't travel. You can't travel to Hawaii unless you have a vaccine passport. What do you mean I can't travel to Hawaii? Am I not a citizen of the United States of America? Do I not pay taxes? And they're moving in that direction. Look at other countries like Australia and Europe. You can't go to the gym without a vaccine passport. You have to wear a mask unless you come in here without a vaccine passport. Give it a mark that determines what you can do or what you can't do. I'm not telling you that it's the mark of the beast, but I'm telling you that if you're too dumb to discern the same spirit that's behind this, that's behind Revelation 13, you got an issue. Amen. You know, the Lord showed me this, that there's many ministers that they, that they did close, and it wasn't because they actually feared this virus. Because did you know that there were some of the same ministers that closed their churches, they were out in the streets marching with BLM? Did you know that? Wait, I thought you were... Why, you, 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 it's unsafe to gather to have church, but it's not unsafe to gather to go destroy cities. Are y'all with me? Yes. 
the Lord showed me why. Why would they do that? It's not because they were genuinely afraid of their life, fear for their life of a virus. No, we've allowed the spirit of the world to come into the church where we know that if we take a stand on what the word of God says, that we'll lose our funding, that we'll lose 60% of the people that come because they don't like that. There was, there was pastors that were out preaching at BLM rallies, even local ones. They don't really care about that. I want to tell you why they do stuff like that. It's because 60% of their congregation, if their butts weren't out there supporting it, they'll say, we're going to find another church. Well, if they find another church, then what are we going to do? We have staff to pay. We have salaries. Guys, I'm telling you, it's, it's wicked. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Are y'all receiving anything from this? So... Martin Luther, accident, he, he, he puts this thesis out. People get a hold of it. And I want to tell you, just recently in that time period, a new invention came out called the Gutenberg Press, where they were able to actually press and print newspapers, documents, books. Before, they had to write it by hand. Well, now this invention came out, and it was called the Gutenberg Press. So somebody liked what they saw, and they said, I got an idea. Why don't we take that 95 thesis and run it through the press a few times and then start handing it out to people? So all of a sudden, Martin Luther nails it. I can imagine he goes home, and he's sitting, and he's studying. He's doing his monk, you know, professor things that he does. And all of a sudden, he steps out, and these people are going crazy, and everybody has a copy of his 95 Thesis, and it birthed a Reformation, which is called the Protestant Reformation. Think about that word, Protestant. Do you know what word we get that comes from that? Protestant. Protestant. It's the day that that a man and a people stood up and began to protest the religious system, the demonic system, the government system of their day. I love all the American pastors. You know, we just need to comply. We, man, I'm sure glad that, that the, men of, the, the men of God, that this country was birthed from men that saw a devil spirit and made a stand against it. Even if it cost us our lives, they said. Why don't you just enjoy all the freedoms of people that actually stood and then cower? Because you've given yourself over to the spirit of this world. And so what I love is that, you know, you think that like Martin Luther, he's just this powerful preacher. He's up there and he's trying to convince people. No, the people were hungry for the truth. Martin Luther was born and I placed there by the Lord. He came in at the right time where the harvest was plentiful, where people were hungry. They were thirsty. They wanted the truth. And the second that they got a hold of it, it just spread like wildfire, like wildfire. I want to release that in this generation in Jesus' name. You know, the Lord showed me this picture one day. I was out praying on my driveway. And and I live in thick woods. You know, everybody lives in thick woods if you live out here. And so, walking down my driveway, praying. And the Lord told me to stop. And I was standing. And I looked beside me. And there was this beautiful magnolia tree. And it was huge. Beautiful flowers on it, green, thriving. And I'm like, 
Lord, I've never seen that tree before. It's literally right here off my driveway and I've never seen it before. And the Lord told me, you haven't seen it because it was covered. It was covered with vines. It was covered behind thickets. It was covered behind bushes. It was covered behind all this other shrub. And the Lord said, just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it wasn't there. It was there the whole time. It was prospering the whole time. It was growing and thriving the whole time. But you know what happened, John, is a season change happened. And now all of a sudden, everything that was covering that tree has now withered away. And you can see what's always been there. And I want to tell you guys right now, even in this church, there are powerful men and women of God that are alive on the earth right now. You guys, we always want to talk about John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and Amy Simple McPherson. They were wonderful, but they are actually men and women of God that carry that same spirit that are alive on the earth today at our local churches in in inconspicuous places. And we're coming into a time where the season's going to change and that which has always been there will be revealed. You know what's going to change is people get hungry for the Word of God. And when people get hungry for the Word of God, the gift of the Lord will begin to show itself. I prophesy right now in Jesus' name or we won't have to throw carnivals with letting people come to our churches with face paintings of demons and devils just so we can take a picture of 200 people sitting in our sanctuary because the Word of God's not enough to do it by itself. Unless the Lord builds your house, the worker labors in vain, the Bible says. I've determined in my spirit, I say, Lord, if you don't build it, I don't want it because anything that I build, I have to take care of myself. You know, even statistically in the church, I heard this statistic this week, this conference that I was at that, you know, pastors, they go into this debt because we're going to go to the bank and get multi-million dollar loans and do this huge building plan. And we're just going to sit here and and figure out, man, okay, now that we got this, we got to fill it up. We got to get that money flowing in. So let's do all these earthly, worldly gimmicks. And guys, I'm telling you, it's not from a heart. Of we just want to win the loss. I can get behind soul winning people. But if you want to really win the loss, then why don't you win them the other 11 months of the year as well? Why aren't you doing other things the other 11 months of the year to win the loss? No, it's not about that. It's a gimmick to get people to come into your business, your organization. The same way, you know, you go to Lufkin and they they just did this event and it was like a booze on the, on the, the strip or whatever. And you go into the stores and they have free alcoholic beverages. So, yeah, what did it do? Of course, it brought tons of people. And shoot, I get a free margarita just for walking in here. Yeah, guys, the church does the same thing. Yeah, that's right. We pimp out the spirit of this world to try to get people to come in. I said, Lord, I'm never going to do that. I'll build my church. I'll build my house. We'll carry out your work by the power of your word and by your spirit. And unless the Lord builds the house, the worker labors in vain anyways. So I prophesy that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're not going to have to do ridiculous things. Hey, let's, let's, 
Let's paint our faces up like a skeleton, like the death, and, and go and have a little carnival and a little concert or whatever, you know, to get people of the world to come in here and, and oh, look, we had 200 people at our church. That's great. How many of them received Jesus Christ? That's right. And then we, oh, we got a merit now because at the end of the year, we can talk about some event that we had where we had 200 people come. It's, it's just getting people here. The the goal, we've achieved it because we fill a place up. I could go get $5,000 out of the bank and say every person that comes today is going to get a $100 bill and have this place so full of people that you wouldn't know what to do with it. And then what? Take a picture? Revival's happening. No, it's not. It's not the Lord. It's not the Holy Ghost that's doing that. So, Father, we ask right now in Jesus' name, let a hunger come in the people because there are men that are here. There are women that are here. And when the world gets ready, the gift will be revealed in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to prophesy this right now. Our brother shared a word that everything will be shaken. You better build your life on the Word of God because I'm telling you that we're coming into a season. Do you know what brings people to repentance? I wish it was always the goodness of God. But really, what brings people to repentance is tragedy. How many people do you hear stories of them crying out, well, what's your story? I was in a jail cell about to end my life. You know, and praise God that you got saved and He met you. His grace, His mercy, He'll meet you right there. Because He loves us and He wants us to repent. But that's the thing is that it actually takes a stripping away of everything else for a person to finally get to the point where they're ready to surrender to God. I preached this message on September 12th this year. You know, you saw something happen in this country on September 12th, 2001. What was it? You saw unity. I was just a young kid. I I remember it taking place. I was only six years old when that happened. Y'all are like, man, this guy, I shouldn't have told you now. Because you're like, this guy's too young. I got shoes older than him. But I do remember, and my pastor that I sat under in New Mexico, where I'm from, he told me that he can testify that churches were filled that Wednesday night. You know why? Because something tragic happened that brought our nation to its knees. Oh, Lord, we think we're so high and mighty and we got it all figured out and we're so big and bad and prosperous and all these things. And then, boom, tragedy brought a nation to its knees, brought a nation to repentance, brought a nation where they said, Lord, we actually weren't as bad as we thought we were. We need you. We need your help. We need your consultation. We need your comfort. We need your presence. We need your peace right now. And so I'm going to tell you right now that there's something happening in the earth. We are in a testing period on the earth right now. Everybody's being tested. Everything is being shaken. And the Lord is looking to see who's going to stand and who's going to bow. If you think that this is over, it's not over. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God. Well, I'm glad 2021. I'm glad 2020 is in the past. You better get ready. And I don't say that to scare you. As we prophesied from the beginning of this service, the Lord sits in heaven and laughs. The Lord erupted laughter in this room. Because the righteous shall possess the land. But I'm going to tell you that there is, 
There is a testing that's happening right now. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's, there's different waves of this that is happening. The first wave is, you know, they've given these decrees. Just like they did to them. You, has, you must bow before this statue. Well, they said, we're not going to bow. So right now, you have a lot of people that have stood firm and a lot of people that have fell away. A lot of people that have, you know, they forfeited their faith. In a lot of ways. But there's still a lot of people that have stood. And I want to tell you, it doesn't end there. Because I want to say this. It's one thing to stand when you're just talking to a man. And it's another thing to stand when they're marching you towards the fiery furnace. The Lord told me that's the season now that we're entering into. We're actually going to begin to, you know, there's all these people that have stood and, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to stand on the Word of God. But are we going to stand when we can actually feel the heat? Are we going to stand when we actually see it with our own eyes now? And it's not, it's not playing games anymore. Yeah. You know, there's, there's Christians in other countries that lose their lives every day. Yeah. A gun held, a, a sword held to their neck. Deny Christ or we'll kill you and your entire family. Americans don't really have that kind of faith as a whole. And so it's a whole other thing to stand whenever now you're seeing the fiery furnace. And so as we begin to approach in the next year, the next two years, you're going to see this push. You're going to see this opposition. You're going to see the devil trying to do everything that he can. And I want to say this to intimidate us. You know that that's all the devil can do is intimidate you. That's all the devil can do is intimidate. You know, the Bible talks about how the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But did you know that in Colossians chapter two, it says that the enemy's been completely disarmed. So if he's a lion and he's a disarmed lion, what does that mean? That means he may be a lion, but he's got no teeth. He's got no claws. So what can he do? He can look real scary and he can roar real loud. But when he comes to bite you, all he's got is a bunch of gums in his mouth. You know, you're sitting there. Okay, come on. By the way, what are you going to do? Sit on me? Roll over on me? You can't. He's disarmed. So all the devil can do is intimidate people. In your life, that's all the devil can do. When things hit you, bills hit you, you get a bad report. He's just trying to intimidate you. But you have to stand your ground and keep your faith and stand on the Word of God. Yeah. And, and take comfort from the Scriptures that David said in Psalms 37. I was once young and now I'm old. And I have never, say never. never. David said, not once my whole life have I seen the righteous of the Lord forsaken or a seed begging for bread. That's a bold statement. For David to look at his life and say, I can't point to one man that served the Lord, that the Lord neglected, that the Lord let down, that the Lord you know, allowed something horrible to happen. I can't. The righteous are never forsaken. Hallelujah. You believe that? Amen. I'm going to wrap it up this morning. We're going to approach that furnace. And you know what's going to happen? There's a lot of people that have stood before the king, but now we're going to be led to this, this, to the actual place 
And you're going to start seeing more people falling off. Well, I was willing to stand when it was over here, but now that I can actually see the, the furnace, no, I, no, that's too much for me. But if you know that story, did they burn? They didn't burn. They were thrown into the fiery furnace and it says that not even a hair was singed. Not even their clothes smelled like smoke. And in fact, they looked in and said, well, we thought we threw three guys in there, but yet we see a fourth guy that's in there and he looks like the Son of God. You know where revival takes place in this country? In the midst of the fiery furnace. You know who God's going to use to birth in, in, in the move of the Spirit? Those who allow themselves to go to that place. Yeah. And went in faith knowing that their God would deliver them. Right. Are y'all with me? Amen. Hallelujah. We receive that word in Jesus' mighty name. Y'all, this is, this is not what I planned at all this morning. It's so much better than my stories that I was going to give you. Something we've been declaring the last two weeks is a spirit of reformation. I want to tell you all too. let me just say this. Me and my wife and a few of us others, we just got back from a week. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's church in Florida. He was one that stood, got arrested for having church on Sunday morning. And then when he stood up against that principality, his whole state opened up and they made it illegal to prohibit the church from gathering. I can stand what you guys, well, I don't like some of his ministry. You know what? The people that most people do like are cowards that bow to the spirit of this world. I can stand with a person like that. Uh, we went there and yeah, I say that to say this. If you guys are sitting here like, golly, this is a long church service. Let me just tell you right now. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now. I like church, and I was like, this is a long church service. We had a meeting one day that started at 9 o'clock in the morning. Listen to this. Didn't get out of the morning session until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then turned around and had to go back at 7 o'clock. And didn't get out till 2 o'clock in the morning again. How many hours is that? 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 7 hours in the morning. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. That, we were in church for 14 hours that day. We're coming up on less than two hours. So y'all give me about 15 more minutes. 15 more hours. 15, yeah. I, a Holy Ghost, if you want to do that, you have absolutely my, my permission. You don't need it, but I yield to it, Lord. But I got about 15 more minutes worth of things to say. If that's okay with you. And if not, then I love you. You can go ahead and head out. And everybody that it is okay with, I'll, I'll say what I have to say. Amen. So Martin Luther, I, I go back and listen to that radical man. This whole reformation begins to take place. People are stirred. Now people are rejecting the Catholic Church and, and the demonic structure and system that was set in place of that day. I discussed it last week. They were telling people, you know, they made up purgatory where they were telling people, 
when you die, you don't go to heaven. You actually go to purgatory and you have to pay for your sins. And if you give us these indulgences, if you pay us this certain amount, you'll shorten your time in purgatory. And then they extended it and actually said, not only can you shorten your time in purgatory, but you know your granny that just died last month? You know, she was kind of a cussing, swearing, spitting type of lady. She's got a good couple hundred years in purgatory waiting for her. And if you give us $20,000, you can get her straight out of purgatory and go straight to heaven. Guys, it was so demonic. You know, why, why did they do that? Because the, 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 the Pope of the time, he saw they had built, let me just say this, Constantine had built St. Peter's in Rome. And then a thousand years had gone by and there was another pope. He's looking at this cathedral. It's horrible. It can't even be used anymore. And he says, you know what? I want to build the nicest, biggest thing anybody's ever seen. But I need to figure out how to pay for it. So he began to create all these false things to go and strip people of their wealth. And it was so suppressive and demonic. The other other issue, major issue of that day uh, was that nobody had access to the Word of God. So the Bible was only allowed to be in Latin. And then at this point in the 1500s, right, we said the Protestant Reformation took place in 1517. Nobody spoke Latin anymore. So what would take place is they'd have this giant handwritten Bible that would be chained to a pulpit. And on Sunday mornings, everybody would come in for church and the priest would open up this book that's written in Latin that nobody speaks only those that were trained, and you had to be chosen and appointed by the Catholic Church to be trained. And they would read it in a language that you didn't understand and then close it and tell you this is what it says. Can you imagine growing up your whole life and never hearing the truth preached to you? So it's not like you or me where we've heard the truth and now when someone starts speaking heresies, we're like, hey, hold on a second, man. I I know the Word and that's not the Word. They had no idea. They had to base everything off of their priest. It was so demonic. And then that's why every time these people throughout history... What would happen is one of them would get trained up by the church and and they would be taught how to read Latin and study the Holy Scriptures and then they would start reading the Bible and then all of a sudden, what happened? Faith would start coming in them. Oh my gosh. Wow. This is what it actually says. The righteous live by faith. Wait, I don't have to go to purgatory. The righteous live by faith. I'm redeemed and made righteous when I put my faith and by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Hold on a second. Martin Luther had these revelations and then that's when he wrote his 95 thesis and nailed it to the front of the Catholic Church. It exploded. And so some years went by and they ended up bringing him uh, what's called in history to the Diet of Worms. The Diet means assembly. Worms was a city in Germany. Right? You say the Diet of Worms. That sounds nasty. What is that? It was the assembly in the city of Worms, or Worms. Yeah, I can't speak German. Worms. Worms. That's right. So it was there that they laid out all of his writings. Praise God for men like this. They laid them all out. And they asked him, first day, did you write all these things? He said, yes, I did. They said, we want you to retract everything that you said. He said, give me 24 hours. Right? Guys, I'm telling you, because he knew. It wasn't like, oh, well, let's just agree to disagree. I'm dead. 
I'm going to be murdered and it's probably not going to be a pleasant murder, you know, horrendously murdered. Give me 24 hours. He went back. He began to pray. He began to seek the Lord. The records say that he made a statement that he battled with Satan all night long that night. You know, I don't believe these guys didn't exaggerate, right? They didn't speak Christianese like we do where we get a flat tire and we're battling with Satan. I believe that he literally, you know, had a confrontation just like Jesus did in the wilderness. And he went to his Bible and he went back to Romans 1, 17. The righteous shall live by faith. And he came back and they asked him again the next day, are all these your writings? Yes, they are. Recant everything that you said. And he goes on to make this statement where he says, Hallelujah. I want to read it because I don't want to mess it up. He came back and he, he saw the Word of God. And he had such a deep conviction where I'm telling you guys we need people like this in this hour. He said, nobody else will stand. I, ha I don't have a choice. I have to stand. And he said this, if you can prove to me by the Scriptures alone, then I will recant. But if you can't, then I change not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's where this phrase, if you've ever seen it, coined on anything, he said, sola scriptura. The Scriptures alone. The Scriptures alone. The Scriptures alone. You have to understand in this time period, they actually taught people that the Pope had more authority than the Bible. So what they would say is even if somebody could get a hold of the Bible and the Pope's teaching something different, they taught them that, well, the Pope's been given authority by God where he just gives us the new revelation of God. Right? Where we could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where Paul says, for, for example, I'm just cherry picking one thing, but homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay? What the Pope could do is say, actually, the Lord told me that he's okay with that now. And so now you can be homosexual and be a clergy, be a minister, and still go to heaven. Do you see the problem with that? So he says, I don't care what the Pope says. I don't care what any man says. The Scripture and the Scriptures alone. Hallelujah. You know, here's another interesting fact as well. I was talking about hypocrisy in the church. You know, if we would have had a missionary come to your average mega church five years ago and say, guys, we smuggled 50,000 Bibles into China. You know what all the Christians would have done? Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's so amazing. But then when it comes time for us to fight, we say, obey a government authority at all costs. If you don't, you're outside of the will of God. Hypocrites. Hypocritic. So you're okay with breaking the Chinese law, but when it come, comes time to, for us to make a stand and put something on the line, you're not okay with it. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. If we really believed that, we would have told those missionaries, you shouldn't have done that. You know, Romans 13 says... You have to sub they said that the, the Bible is illegal. You really shouldn't have done that. You're outside of the will of God. No, it's, hip it's hypocrisy. Yeah. 
The Lord told me, so Martin Luther said, sola scriptura, the scriptures alone. The scriptures alone. This was the cry of the Protestant Reformation. The scriptures and the scriptures alone. The Lord told me, he said, I want you to pray for that to be restored back to the American church. I want you to pray for that to be restored back to the pulpits of the American church. The scripture and the scripture alone. I want you to pray for that to be restored and deposited in the pastors of your generation. The scripture and the scripture alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let it burn inside the believers. That's that's if you're in this room and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then I'm talking about you. Let it burn on the inside of you where you live a life. I live by the scripture and the scripture alone. I don't care what fancy book comes out, the six ways you're supposed to do this or that. I live by the scripture and the scripture alone. Don't even entertain arguments. I see people trying to fight. You know, I want to tell you, don't even don't get all tied up about it. If somebody wants to come to you, I really don't. You know, I don't uh, I don't like you guys are a little crazy. I heard you guys speaking in tongues and I'm not okay with that. Uh, You know, say, okay, great. Here's the Bible. Show me. Well, I mean, I don't know. I've just always heard that it's... I don't care what you've always heard. The Scripture and the Scriptures alone. You know how many people we've confronted in this town alone? That we've went out in the streets soul winning. We've went into the schools soul winning. We've went into these crusades trying to win souls, win the lost. Right? Because that's what they think. These crazy Pentecostal people, you all just want to dance around in your church. Who else is winning souls? Amen? You believe what you believe so much. Why isn't it producing anything? Why don't you have a burden to win the loss then? So we went out into the streets and we've confronted people. I could probably tell you on five different occasions. You know, and I'll say this. Everybody in Texas is saved. Do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah. You know, sitting there with a meth pipe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Love them. Was just talking to him this morning. Come on, you know, really? It's true. Everyone in Texas has a form of Jesus. Yeah, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I was baptized when I was six. Awesome. Praise God. And you would have died and went straight to heaven. But now you're 45. What have you done since you were six? Do you know him? Because Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. If you know him, there will be fruit that you know him, especially if you've known him since you were six years old and you were baptized. If you're 50 and you still ain't producing fruit, my friend, I love you, but you don't know Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. Oh, okay, great. Well, have you ever received the Holy Ghost? What are you talking about? You talking about that speaking in tongues stuff? Well, I mean, no, but... Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, but that's not the whole thing. No, 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 no. I don't want nothing to do with that. Why? Take them to the Scripture. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak in new languages. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. They could drink anything poisonous, and it shall by no means harm them. 
Acts chapter 2, filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues. Acts chapter 10, Peter preaches at Cornelius' house. The Gentiles heard the message, received the message of the gospel, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Acts chapter 19, Paul finds a group of believers, says, were you baptized in the Spirit? No, we weren't baptized in the Spirit. He laid his hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, began speaking in other tongues. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, when you gather together, one of you come with a tongue. One of you come with an interpretation. I could go on and on and on through the New Testament. It's in the Bible. We've turned to people and read them the verses on the page and said, this is what the Bible says. And they say, no, we don't want anything to do with that. Why? Well, because our pastor told us that that's wrong and that's bad. The Scripture and the Scripture alone. If it's in the Bible, I want it. I don't care how crazy you think it is. If it's in the Bible and God said I can have it, I'm going to have it. And I don't care what anybody thinks about it. You go over there and suffer by yourself and I'm going to prosper. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be blessed for all the days of my life. Stop being embarrassed, guys. I, I, I prophesy this right now to a generation that's not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. If we were ashamed, we would have shut that down earlier. Oh, there's some tongues. Oh, there's some laughter. That's who, if you don't like it, it's not God's problem. You have the problem. And I say that because I love you. I don't say that to condemn you. I say if that offends you, you need to get with the Holy Ghost and ask him, why does that offend me, Lord? Why does that offend me? And I know that you know what he'll do because he loves you so much. He'll go right into your heart, right into your belly, and he'll show you the, the reason that it offends you. And he'll say, son, daughter, I love you. And I, I, I want to deliver you from this because I want to tell you, this is actually this is this is a problem that's manifesting itself in many areas of your life. You can't even be blessed because you're so bound. So he says by the scripture and scripture alone, they say, okay, well, we're going to kill you. So go back home pretty much. He's on the trail ride back home and some men stop him in the middle of the woods and kidnap him. They throw a bag over his head. They kidnap, they kidnap him and they brought him to a secret castle in the woods. They basically were like, we love you. We read your writings. It's amazing. We agree with you. We've been following this trial that's going on. And they, they basically did it to protect him and to save him. So he goes into the woods. Hallelujah. And I'll say this as well. When you follow the Lord, he'll make a way for you. Yeah. He'll make a way for you. You believe that? Yes. Amen. What did Martin Luther do? He gets in the castle. He's sitting around for about three days. And he's like, man, I, I can't just sit here. There was no Facebook. No Xbox, no TV, no CNN or Fox. There's nothing like that. She said, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll take this nice Latin Bible that I've learned how to read and I'll translate it in German. And then I know what I'll do when I'm done with that. I'll take it and run it through that Gutenberg press a few times and begin to put the Word of God in the hands of the people. And what happened when the Word of God got in the hands of the people, it changed history forever. And the greatest revival that's happened since Pentecost was birthed on the earth called the Protestant Reformation. You know what ended up happening was the pro they were called the protesters, the Protestants. They went back and it spread all the way to the Church of England where now these people have the Word of God and they're looking at their queen saying this is tyrannical. This is, this is tyranny. This is a devil's spirit. And so they set forth 
to find a land where they could worship Jesus Christ according to the Word of God. You know where they landed? Massachusetts. And our country was birthed from a covenant with God. Hallelujah. Let me give you this last fact about Martin Luther. During this time that he was in the castle, what was known... As the peasant revolt began to take place. So basically the people were getting a hold of the word of God and they saw the oppression of the church where the peasants, they called it the peasant revolt because it was the people. Say the people. people. Y'all, I'm telling you that something happens when the people get fed up. I mean, I know I've been prophesying a lot, but I prophesy that out in this generation as well. The people get fed up. Well, let's just pray. Let's get Trump back into office. And Okay. What's it going to do if the people won't stand when four years is up? We don't have kings. We have four years at most, eight years, and then we do this all again. It's got to be the people. It's got to be the people that take this back. So, all of a sudden, these peasants begin to revolt, and in a few short weeks, there was 50,000 people that were killed in the peasant revolt. You guys got to imagine, 50,000 people, this wasn't in a time like today where there's 7 billion people on the planet. That was a significant amount of the population. I mean, that was a significant event. 50,000 people were killed during the peasant revolt. Martin Luther heard about it. And he knew the Word of God. And he said, this isn't the will of God that you guys run around and you're just killing the Catholics because they did you wrong. He, he had an enlightenment from the Scriptures. So he said, i got to do something about this. He went back to his town, Wittenberg. And he shows up. Nobody had seen him. And he preaches seven messages. One each day for one week. And he stops the entire peasant revolt preaches seven messages with no PA system, with no worship team, with no lights and smoke and smoke bombs and all that stuff. He just preaches from the Word of God one message a day for seven days and stops the entire peasant revolt where 50,000 people had already died. Can you imagine the power? I would have liked to sit in some of those. Lord, give me the interpretation. To, to hear, to understand German, and let me go back and sit. I would love to hear what he said. Hallelujah. The same words available today. You know that? The same Bible that birthed the Protestant Reformation is the same Bible that people have. Fifteen of them stacked up on the, at their on their it, on their bookshelf, and they never read it one time. The Word of God is powerful. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Are y'all with me? When a hunger for the word comes into this generation, we won't. I want to tell you guys right now. Brother Tanner made a Facebook post I thought was amazing. He said, "If you're a Christian and you don't you don't come to church this morning, you better not be taking your children out to trick or treat tonight. But you can't get out to go to church on the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we gather on Sunday morning." 
That's why we're not like the Jews that celebrated a Sabbath on the, on the seventh, on the, on the Saturday. The church instituted Sunday morning because that was the day Jesus Christ rose from the grave. So they gathered every single week. If you can't gather, but you can make time to go take your kids trick-or-treating, you need to get with the Holy Ghost and ask them what's going on. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm about to turn it over to Brother Tanner. He's going to take up our tithes and offerings this morning. I'm going to have him tell you the ways that you can give. I want to share three things with you that go right along with this word that I gave you this morning. I really believe that we're going to see believers stepping in to political realms. Not just believers. I'm not talking about Kamala Harris, yeah, I'm a believer and I went to church and you know how she talks. Is anybody else just, I don't know, it just drives me nuts. There's a few people on this earth when they talk that it's just like nails on a chalkboard to me. And I mean, I lo- God loves her. I'll, lo- I'll pray for her. I'll, I'll help her. But I mean, man, I'm like, Lord, I'll lay a hand on that woman to change her voice because that voice just almost haunts me. I got to get delivered when I have a nightmare of that voice and... Anyways, I'm not talking about that type of Christian. I'm talking about Holy Ghost-filled, vision-filled, called and purposed man and woman of God. Stepping into government positions. Stepping into higher realms of influence through business and marketplace. You know, I really believe... The Lord really told me this. He said that His will is that several multimillionaires would be raised up in each local church. Yeah. I'm gonna before you get freaked out about that, I'm gonna break some reasons down. Why? But the Lord told me that, and I want you to set your faith because if 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 you hear that and you say, Lord, that's absolutely not me, not interested, okay, great. It won't be you. But some of you will hear that and you'll say, Lord, something connects in my spirit. I also want to say this I believe it's God's will for every believer to prosper. I got kicked out of the assemblies of God for telling people that God wants you healed and He wants you to prosper. That's like doctrines that you started your own denomination on. Sorry. Because <laughs> uh, I couldn't do it. You know, I had a confrontation with a major assemblies of God pastor who said, I don't... I, I, it's not God's will. Sometimes it's God's will. Sometimes He says yes, and sometimes He says no. And then guess what? Five minutes later, one of His elders walked in and said, yeah, my daughter's deaf in her right ear. Will you guys all stand in, in agreement that the Lord would touch her and heal her? You know what the pastor said? Yes, brother. Yeah, we'll, we'll stand in agreement. He said, you're a hypocrite. What you actually should have said is look that man in the eyes and said, well, I'm not going to stand in agreement with you. What I will do is I'll ask the Lord and see if he says yes or no. And if he says no, I'm sorry, tough love. That's the truth. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. Let's stop doing the Christian dance. The Christian hokey pokey is what I call it. You just tell people what they want to hear. No, there's no faith behind that. The ear is not going to open with faith like that. So, I, 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 can't believe, I can't preach that. And then they said, well, I believe that everybody has their place. Some people are to be blessed. 
And some people, they're not, they're not, God's not going to prosper them. Where they, they really make significant amount of money in their life. And I said, sir, really? I mean, that's easy for you to say when you have a new car that the church bought you and a new house that the church bought you and a big salary that the church provided for you. But you're meaning to tell me that a single mother who gets born again comes into the church raising two kids on her own, that I'm supposed to look at a person like that and say, you know what, actually, it may be God's place for you to stay small and to stay struggling and suffering. But it's God's place for some of us other elites to prosper on, in the earth. No, not the Word of God. If you'll do what's right, what did we read in Psalms 37? You'll prosper in the land. That means anybody who's in covenant with God. But we're coming into a time where the church... We're talking about a spirit of reformation, guys. I'm telling you, reformation is not a hallelujah and a jig and a dance on a Sunday morning. It's change that happens in our society. The church is called to be the salt and light of the, uh, the world. Salt of the earth, light of the world. We are what preserves the earth. That's what salt was for, was preserving. You know, it's not the government's job to be solving our problems in our communities. I want to tell you a vision that I have, and I'm going to prophesy it out now. I look at our public education system, it's horrible. Training kids to hate God from the time they're this big. Training kids to come up with this Marxism ideas, communist ideas, liberal ideas. My kid will not go to public school. If your kid's in public school, I'm not, that's something you're going to have to talk to the Lord about. But my kid won't go to public school for those reasons. You know, because the Bible talks about this as well. Did you know the Bible says if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. But if you hang in the, compen- if you hang in the company of, of fools, you'll become foolish. You will become what you surround yourself with. Yeah. So you mean that I have to wake up Send my kids for eight hours a day into a system that's hell-bent on not creating well-rounded individuals, but citizens of the society that they're trying to build with certain ideas that are so anti-biblical for eight-plus hours a day. And why do you think that they keep extending government programs? Well, now we know that kids go to school for eight hours a day, but now let's have a state-ran uh, after school program where they stay for another three hours and then another three hours and then before you know it you have a child indoctrinated from the time of seven o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock at night and we're wondering what's happening in this world right now what are you talking about we're letting the state raise our children my friend my daughters aren't going to hang out with just anybody they're not going to go over to just anybody's house They're not going to hang out with just anybody's kids. They're not going to go to the public school. I'm not going to raise them up in an Amish community. People say, well, if your kids are homeschooled, they'll be weird. No, it's not true. If the parents are weird, the kid will be weird. (laughs) Right? If the parents aren't weird, the kid won't be weird. I tell my daughter all the time, she does this thing where she gets upset. She'll just start out looking at her like, what's wrong with you? I tell her, you're not going to be weird. Stop acting weird. You will not be a weird kid. So, 
I have this vision. I look at the public education system and I feel this burden. The church should be doing something about this. The church should be... Y'all, I'm telling you right now, we need to have schools that are ran by the church where we say no mask required, no vaccine required. You can come in. You're not going to be trained up in these Marxist, communist doctrines that are anti-biblical. We're going to teach you the things that you need to know, but we're also going to fill you with the Word of God. We're also going to give you an opportunity to receive the Holy Ghost. And we're going to take this generation back. Churches need to get vision like that. And I want to tell you what would be amazing And this is what the Lord's doing is as people begin to increase, we could come forward with a vision like that and say, this is what we want to do. And it's going to cost $40,000 to get it started. And there's a call on men and women that could look and say, absolutely no problem. And write a single check. Boom. We're the salt. We're the light in our community. We're taking a generation back. So I'm talking about vision. You know, we want to do these city crusades. I'm just giving you hypotheticals. The Lord's given it a a, a vision in my heart. If you've been around this church, you saw the events that we did. Celebrate Huntington. You heard about those. We did these events. We had between the two events, we had 140 people give their lives to Jesus Christ in a town of 2,100 people. No, I'm like, it's not like we're in inner city Dallas where there's a million people per square mile. I mean, in a town of 2,100, we have 140 people. First time decisions for Jesus Christ. So what if a church said, you know what? We want to do these city crusades. We're not going to keep the church inside the wall. We want to build a team. We want to go out during the weekends and we're going to go and go into a, a, a block and have a stage, and have some stuff set up, have some pizza, and go house to house, invite people, preach the gospel, pray for the sick, win the lost, and rescue this generation back. What if we could do something like that? And say, hey, but you know what? It's going to cost about $1,000 a week to do something like that. Believers could say, absolutely, no problem. Here you go. It's not God's will for the believer to struggle, and it's not God's will for the church to struggle. Let me just share this with you. The Lord's been teaching me about provision. Can you say provision? provision. I want you to break that word down. Pro-vision. You know what that word means? It means providing for vision. God will provide for vision. Say vision. But if there's no vision, then there's no provision. There's no providing that comes in because there's no vision to attach it to. That's right. So I want you to say vision. vision. This is something that the Lord told me the church needs in this hour. Number one, every believer needs vision from the Lord. We need people with entrepreneur spirits in the body of Christ. I want to tell you something. It's okay to work for someone else. I'm not condemning anybody. Never. I mean, praise the Lord. You work. You're making a living. But I want you to set your eyes higher. Because... Even working for somebody else, yeah, you can take care of your family. You can live a decent life and pay your bills, but that's not vision. Can you say amen? amen. Vision from the Lord is not just taking care of your bills and your kids. Vision from the Lord is kingdom vision. Salt and light type vision. And when believers begin to rise up into a place of vision, the, God, the, the Lord of the harvest will provide for it. He'll give you the provision. He'll give you the provision. Are y'all with me? 
And so the Lord said, literally, I heard this entrepreneur spirit mindset where people begin to believe, you know what? I could work for somebody, but I also what if I believe God to start my own thing? What if I believe God to give me a strategy to solve a problem and do something nobody else is doing? So say vision. Let me say this. I'm going to ask you this question then. If we get vision and we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to believe for you to take me to a multi-million dollar. Can I just say that word? If that's a word that offends you, get over it. I love you. But I'm going to say it because the Lord's put it in my spirit. Multi-million dollar level. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't have the right vision, God will never take you there. You know, because here's the question. Okay, Lord, I connect with that. Hallelujah. I want to go to the multi-million dollar level. Let me ask the next question. Why? Why do you want to go there? Well, you say, well, I'd like a nicer house. I'd like a nicer Bass Pro boat, you know, a, a bass boat. Rigged up, trigged out, nicer cars. I'd like to just look at that, at that number on the screen on my bank account and smile because it's so large. The Lord will never give anything to you. Never in a million years because you have the wrong vision. So there's nothing for Him to provide for without the vision. You know, Jesus actually, let me just read you these few verses. Luke 12, 13-21. Hallelujah. We're almost done. Luke 12. 13 through 21. You know, because there's people that that's their goal. I'm just going to work, 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 work and just build up my savings account. And then, man, I have this huge stack that I just sit on and, you know, it makes me feel better. Jesus actually rebukes that type of thinking. Let me show you from the, the, the Scriptures. When someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus said, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then He said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then He told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store my wheat and other goods. And he says, and then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored up away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That's the same mindset that most Christians have. Why are you working so hard? Why do you want to increase? Well, you know, I'm just storing a little nest egg away from my retirement. Wow, I've built up these barns and there's such a surplus in these barns. I can just live off the surplus of these barns for the rest of my life and eat and drink and be merry and live my little life. What did Jesus say about that? You fool, you will die this very night. Then, you will, uh, then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a right relationship with God. Another translation says to store up treasures of the earth other than treasures in heaven. 
That's what people think, right? Well, I'm just sowing into, I'm just storing up for my retirement. Can I tell you something? The righteous live by faith. Yeah. You ever think you're going to get to a point in your life where I don't, I want to build my life up to a place where I don't need faith anymore. I'm going to tell you, if that's what you do, you're doing something wrong. Because yeah, right. I want to tell you that if, if you are getting blessed, you dang sure aren't giving what the Lord, what the Holy Ghost would be telling you to do because it would scare the Jeezies out of you. I don't know what to say. <laughs> It'd scare the devil out of you. Yeah. Where you rely on God all the days of your life. And so, again, why do I want to prosper? Bigger house, bigger car, so I can just have these barns with all this surplus stored in it and this big account with these large numbers. No, that's not the vision of the kingdom. I'm going to read you Proverbs 16.3. It says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Say, my plans will succeed. You know that word commit, if you look at the Hebrew word that was used there, it means to unroll. So what does that mean? Go before the Lord with a plan and lay it out for Him. And it will succeed. What do I mean by that? I believe that we're coming into a time where Christians will actually begin to make a vow to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to believe You to start something. I'm going to believe You for increase. And I make a vow to You right now that You'll bless my family and I will take you know, $200,000, whatever, hypothetically, and if I make $5 million, I'll take this portion and everything else will go to your kingdom. Everything else will go to souls. Everything else will go to the end time harvest. That's what it means to come with the, to the Lord with a plan and lay it out. To unroll it and commit your plans to the Lord. And He says your plans will succeed. Hallelujah. But can I tell you, if you tell the Lord things like that, Lord, if you gave me a million dollars, I'll give you half... Lord, if you gave me a million dollars in my bank account, I'll turn around and give half a million to the, to the body of Christ, to missions, to whatever. If your heart's not pure, the Lord says you're a liar. You would never do that. So not only do you need vision, we need vision, number two, we need radical faith in giving. You know, 2 Corinthians 9, Paul said if you, if you those who... So generously will reap generously, but those that sow sparingly will sow sparingly. So you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Never feel pressured. Because I want to tell you, if somebody bends your arm to get something from you and you give it, you might as well not have gave it. Because you're going to get zero blessing from it. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. What's a cheerful giver? Somebody that has vision from heaven. Somebody that's made a commitment to the Lord. And somebody who says, Lord... I've made a commitment. I have this vision from heaven. And now this is, the, this is what you've provided to come alongside my vision. And so now I return it to your kingdom. That's a joyful heart. Yes. Are you all with me? Yes. But I said radical faith and radical giving, guys. Here's the honest truth about it. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, the amount that you give will determine the amount that you give back. Y'all, I'm being honest. You cannot give... $10 and believe for a million dollars. Just the same way that a seed produces according to its kind, right? I can't go out and sow apple seed and then expect to get zucchinis. There's different types of seed. You know why the Bible says don't give out of necessity, but each person be led by the Spirit? You know why the Bible says that? It's because the Holy Ghost knows 
what God wants to get into your hand. And he actually knows the type of seed that needs to be loosed to get that type of harvest. Yeah. When the Lord speaks to you about giving, the Holy Spirit gives you a specific amount. It's because there's a specific harvest that he is trying to return to you. And that's the seed that has to go into the ground. Because an apple tree produces what? And a banana bush produces what? The last thing is this, purity of heart. So we need vision, we need radical faith and radical giving. And the last thing is we need purity of heart. Yes. What do I mean by that? Again, why, why? It's that why. Why do I want to increase and prosper? 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. Paul said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So did Paul say, teach those that are rich in this world that they're wrong for being rich? Did Paul say, teach those that are rich in this world that don't you know that money's the root of all evil? If you actually read earlier in 1 Timothy 6, he doesn't say that. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. That's what I'm talking about, the purity of heart. When you love God and you don't love money, God can give you money. But when you love money and you don't love God, God can never give you money. So this is what he says. Don't trust. Say trust. Your trust should be in God. But tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. So look at this. So Paul's talking about people want to brag about, oh man, I'm just so blessed. Oh man, let me just tell you about how much money we make. Paul said, absolutely wonderful. But if you're rich in money, you should also be rich in good works. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a lot of Christians that are rich in money, but they're not rich in good works. That's right. They're not rich in the way that they use that money and put that money to work in the kingdom. Amen. Look at this. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, and they will always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Jesus said, don't store up your treasure on the earth. Store up your treasure in heaven. Amen. Guys, can I tell you a reality? Do you know that when we die, all this is gone? Yeah. Seriously, when we die, this little American dollar, this piece of paper, it does not go with us to heaven. Yeah. These things that we work so hard, the boat, the car, the house, Great, if you have those things and it's a tool the Lord gave you to use for His kingdom, wonderful. None of that goes to heaven. Y'all yeah. know that when we die, this church doesn't go to heaven? Sound equipment doesn't go to heaven? Right. Fix your eyes on things above and not things below. Amen. Amen. And when you get in that true purity of heart, you can set your faith for God to increase you and He'll do it because He can trust you with it. God would never put dynamite in the hand of, a, of an infant. Think about how powerful dynamite is. It could blow up a mountain. It can be a great tool, but in the hands of a wrong person, it could be extremely harmful. That's right. God's not going to give money to somebody that's just going to relapse into a drug addiction. God's not going to give a person money that that money is going to cause their hearts to turn away from God and they'll end up in hell when they stand before the Lord. Y'all with me? Yes. Hallelujah.
Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.